Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live or connect with us on Facebook. All right, if you have your Bibles, come on, we open them up to the book of 2 Kings chapter 3. 2 Kings chapter 3 this morning, that's in the Old Testament if you're unfamiliar. 2 Kings chapter 3, that's right after 1 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 3. 2 Kings chapter 3. Thank you, Pastor Jason, for allowing me to be here and uh, speaking this morning. I love what God is doing in Uniontown and Fayette County and in this area. Really, you know, we, our heart is to win this county, but I don't know if you know this or not, we're actually having a regional impact already. You know, folks are coming from all over the place, and so it's exciting what God is doing here. So let, let's continue to, to seek and serve the Lord as he calls us to do. But I kind of want to give us a, a kind of the Reader's Digest version of, of what is happening in this portion of Scripture, because this is a, a large story that is going on, and we're only going to read just a few verses from it. Uh, but I want to kind of give you a, an update of where it's happening and what's going on. Here in this particular story, uh, it is a King Joram. He is just now taking over Israel. His dad, King Ahab, had just passed away. Many of you might remember King Ahab. King Ahab was back whenever uh, Elijah went up and began to pray and, and saw the, the cloud the size of a man's hand and he said I hear the abundance of rain coming right and, and Elijah goes down and, and outruns uh, King Ahab and his chariots and so uh, that's, that's where we're going with that King Ahab was the king of Israel at the time and he passes away and so now King Joram his son is now taking over and uh, the, the king of Moab would always pay tribute to the king of Israel a hundred thousand lambs and one, the wool of one hundred thousand rams each and every year that's a lot. 100,000 of anything's a lot. And he had to do it twice over. You know what I'm saying? So it was a lot. So whenever, whenever King Ahab passes and his son takes over, the king of Moab's like, here's my chance. I'm not paying it no more. You know, I'm, I'm done. I'm done paying it. And, and so it upsets King Joram. He says, I got to show him who I am. I got to show him that I'm in charge. And so King, uh, king Joram of Israel calls, calls his friend. Uh, King Jehoshaphat of, of Judah. Now, I don't know exactly how they do it. I don't think they had AT&T or Verizon or, you know, U.S. Cellular or anything like that. You know, they, I don't think they could hear me now. I don't know if they had, like, the string solo cup thing, you know. You know, I, you know I, I mean, I used to use that as a kid. Come on. I used a tin can. Some of y'all maybe use, you know, whatever. But anyway, that, that's what we did. But I don't know how they communicated, but somehow they talked to each other and said, yeah. And, and King Jehoshaphat said, yeah, we're one. Let's go together. Let's go after them. And so they decide instead of going straight to Moab straight to take him out, that they were going to try and take a surprise route. And it, it was a seven-day journey to go all the way down through the, val- through the valley of Arabah, which is the kingdom of Edom. Now, Edom the king of Edom found out this was going on, and he didn't like the Moabites because they were his closest, uh, uh, you know, uh, they, 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 they shared a border, and they, and they didn't like each other very much, so they joined in as well. So now you've got, got three kings going together, three armies going together after one. The king of Israel, the king of Judah, and the king of Edom are now all going after the king of Moab and his army. And as, as they make the trek, as, as they go down through this valley of Arabah, now what, what I want you to understand, this valley of Arabah was actually south of the Dead Sea. Now, this isn't going to be rocket science. Somebody, come on, think about this for a moment. What do you suppose is south of the Red Sea? Or the, the Dead Sea? What do you think south of the Dead Sea? Yeah, there ain't nothing. All right, that's why it's the Dead Sea. They call it dead because... 
it dead, you know, like it's, it's, nothing's happening there. It's desert, it's desolate, there's nothing going on. And, and so the, the, this army starts moving down. I, I mean, probably a lot of the ladies in the room, you're not shocked, three men started out on something without reading the directions, come on. All right, and they go walking down through, and as, as they go marching, and they're seven days into the journey, they're in the Valley of Arabah trying to surprise uh, King Moab and his army, and as they get into the middle of this desert, they're running out of water. The soldiers are running out of water. They don't have water for their cattle. They don't have water for their horses. They don't have water for the army. The king is running out of water himself, and so King Joram of Israel uh, starts to ask King Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom, is there anybody around that can speak to God for us? Find out what we have to do to experience water. We're all about to die. You know, they, they should have been, it was three on one. It should have been an easy victory for them. But before they even ever got to the battlefield, they were already facing death. See, many of us, we, maybe we've been in the same scenario in our lives. That maybe, you know, we felt like God was going to do this thing for us. Maybe God gave us a word or we, we were marching forward and we were ready to do this thing. I know even in our own church world, you know, as, as a body here, we were, we're ready to go forward. Whether it's, it's another building, another piece of land, whatever, whatever what might, right might to be happening. Kind of, we feel like maybe we're on this detour. Can I tell you sometimes that God allows us to go through dry seasons and dry places to help expand us and stretch us out so our capacity will be ready to contain all that he really has for us. If God were to give us everything that he intends to give us right now, we wouldn't know what to do with it. When God doesn't do exactly what you want him to do, when you want him to do it, that must mean he's got something better coming. Come on. And, and so I'm thankful as, as, as these three kings, they, they, they all are flipping out. They, they call Elisha. Elisha now comes, and Elisha has been there. He was, the, he was a servant to Elijah, and King Jehoshaphat says, this is the guy. He already knows what's up. And so Elisha comes, and he begins to speak to these three kings. And this is where we're going to pick up the story in 2 Kings chapter 3, starting at verse 15. Now, just before I read God's word to you this morning, I kind of want get, to get just on a little bit sidebar with you for a moment because hey, I will, we'll talk a little bit more about this but I want you to understand why I'm reading what I'm reading. I'm going to be reading to you this particular text. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. All right, now, uh, this, this is a little different than maybe what we're used to. A lot of times when we preach from this platform, we use the New Living Translation a lot, and most of the other scriptures I'm going to read today or quote will be from the New Living Translation. But you say, Tim, why are we doing that today? Because I want you to understand something. God did not tell us to read God's Word to, study, to, to show ourselves approved. He said to study God's Word to show ourselves approved. How many understand translations are not perfect. The word of God is infallible, but translations are not. There's a lot of ones that are out there. A lot of good ones. Some, some go literal, but word by word, they take the exact meaning of each word, word by word. Uh, and some ones go, go phrase by phrase because oftentimes when words are beside other words, they mean different things. You know, it even happens in our own language. And so there's different ways of studying, different ways of realizing. That's why we need to dig deep into God's word. And so this morning, I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version. I'll explain to you why. In just a second, I'll show you how this works. But 2 Kings chapter 3, starting at verse 15. Come on, would you stand for the reading of God's word this morning? 2 Kings chapter 3, starting at verse 15. 2 Kings chapter 3, starting at verse 15. Here's what the word of the Lord says on a beautiful afternoon. It's afternoon already. Beautiful afternoon here in Uniontown, PA. It says, this is Elisha speaking, but now bring me a musician. Then it happened when the musician began to play, the hand of the Lord came upon him. 
Can I stop again for just a second? Whenever we come together in this house and our musicians begin to play and the singers begin to sing, we're not here to entertain you. We're not here to gather us all together to kind of get us ready to receive God's word. No, we enter his gates with thanksgiving. We come in with worship. We're we're not coming here just to to kind of have a nice little day and sing our favorite song and go home and go, boy, wasn't that a great service. That's not what it's about today. Come on, folks. This is spiritual warfare oftentimes that we're going after. And when we begin to sing and worship the Lord, it's not about hitting the right note. It's not about the right song or the right volume or the lights or all the kind of different things we do. Listen to me. We need to engage immediately in the presence of God. Come on, somebody. And in verse 16, and and Elisha says, thus saith the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. Let me say this again. Make this valley full of ditches. This is why I believe the New King James gets this a little closer than what the New Living Translation does. If you ever read the New Living Translation, New Living Translation says this valley will become full of pools. That's kind of nice. It says this valley will become like it's going to happen. But actually, when you study the Hebrew here, the Hebrew is actually giving us a directive instead of a declarative, not just making a statement. He's actually giving us something to do. Make this valley full of ditches. The old King Jimmy says, dig a ditch. (laughs) Dig a ditch. That this is something we are supposed to do. Not just something that's going to somehow miraculously happen on its own, but this is something we have a part in. We are to dig the ditches. Listen to this. Thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. You will not see wind. You will not see rain. Yet the valley will be filled with water so that you, your cattle, and your animals may drink. This is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hand. He will, he will, you will attack every fortified city and every choice city. You'll cut down every good tree. You'll stop every spring of water and ruin every good piece of land with stones. Now it happened in the morning when the grain offering was offered that suddenly the water came from Eden and the land was filled with water. Come on, somebody. Let's pray. Father, one more time, would you release the power of your written word into our lives? Lord, in the mighty name of your son, Jesus, may distractions be gone. May faith arise in our souls as we fix our eyes on you. You are the champion of our faith, the author and perfecter. God, I trust you today. Have your way. God, I pray that we would dig deep today, God, that we would make this valley full of trenches. We dig a ditch here today, God, so that when your water of refreshing comes, God, it won't just be a momentary time of of celebration, but God, it will be lasting from generation to generation to generation that all of our family members will get to experience the refreshing waters of Jesus Christ. God, have your ways. In Jesus' name. Come on. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. If it's all right with you, I'm going to talk quickly, all right? I know that's unusual, right? I usually am so slow. (laughs) Uh, It was several years ago now. I still can't believe I say that. Several years ago, 2014. When did that happen? You know, when did 2014 become several years ago? Actually, seven years ago. But, you know, it feels like forever ago now. But 2014, you know, last month was a long year, wasn't it? You know? You know, 2020 was the big, longest decade of our lives. But, uh, you know, we've had some crazy things happen. But in 2014, I was driving towards Charleston, West Virginia, and going down and and uh, you know when you go through when you go through West Virginia on Interstate 79, once once you get south of Morgantown, Clarksburg, Bridgeport area, there ain't nothing. I mean, you're, you're pretty much going to Charleston, and you're not going anywhere. You, you, you get a little blip in the radar on Flatwoods. There's a, there's a pilot gas station with a Moe's in it. Come on, welcome to Moe's. You know, like, uh, it's better than Chipotle, by the way. I don't know why you people want to eat a Chipotle. It's disgusting. All they do is throw onions on it. it tastes, there's more to life than an onion. Come on, somebody. 
it's 11.30 service. I love you guys so much. This is what you get. This is actually my 12th time preaching this week, so I'm just telling you. Uh, but as, as, as I'm traveling down, and I'm getting less than an hour from Charleston, and the lady that had made the arrangements for a hotel and everything where we were going, she calls us in a, like, a, like a frantic tizzy, just like, like losing her wig, you know, like just she has nothing left, and she, she is flipping out. She's like, you can't come. Like, I can, I am, I'm almost there, you know, tranquilo, just relax a little bit here, you know, just chill, you know, and uh, she's like, no, you don't understand. You can't come, you can't come. Everything's closed. Like, well, what? You know, what do you mean everything's closed? What, what is it talking the, the water, the water's bad. The water's bad. Everything had to close. Hotels had to close. Restaurants had to close. Businesses, in fact, even the hospitals had to close. Everything is closed. The water has been contaminated. Everything's shut down. Come to find out. The Elk River runs down into Charleston, and that's where that area got their water supply. But just a little bit upstream or uh, from, from, the, from where they got their water supply, there were these huge tanks full of coal slurry. Now, coal slurry is a chemical that cleans coal, right? And it, end, it ended up, you know, the government's so smart. They check everything but the stuff that's just north of a water supply. And, and you know, and, and it, it, it's all there, and this old rusty tank begins to leak, and 10,000 gallons of coal slurry go right into the Elk River, just literally less than 100 yards away from where they pull up the water out of the Elk River for all their water supply. And so it contaminated everything. You say, well, is it a, was it a big deal? Listen, there was so much coal slurry, and this chemical is so harsh. It cleans coal. It was so harsh that if you were to wash your hands, it would burn your hands. If you drank it, it would take off the lining of your esophagus, your stomach, your intestines, everything. If you were to wash your clothes in it and then put your clothes on it, it would irritate your skin. If you washed your food with it and then ate that food, the same thing would happen. Uh, they, couldn't have, they couldn't clean things for surgery. That's why they had to close the hospital. That's why the hotels had to close. That's why the restaurants had to close. You couldn't find a bottle of water water within an hour drive of Charleston for an entire week. They weren't able to turn their faucet on and simply take a hold of something that we so easily take for granted here in this nation. In the Western world, we think that we could just go right over a tap. Come on, how many people drank out of a hose as a child, right? Come on, somebody. I'm okay. You know, I, you know, I used to drink out of the hose all the time. You know, I mean, come on, we all, did. We all sat in the front seat. The only safety feature we had was our mother's right arm. You know what I'm saying? You know, we, we, we had, I drank out of the hose. We, we're just so used to being able to go into any spigot and turn on the water and enjoy the water. Listen, this is oftentimes what happens in our Western churches as well. Many of us that we, we have, it's the, the accessibility to the presence and the things of God are, are oftentimes too easy. Can I say that? It, it, we can open up any smart device, get download any, any Bible app. We can go to any bookstore and, and, and buy any Bible we want. We can go on YouTube or any, uh, any part of the internet and listen to any preacher we want to listen to at any time we want to we can find any music we want to anytime we want listen any, but it's it's just like these folks we oftentimes we take advantage of water just as this army had been marching through the desert they took they didn't take they took for granted that they needed water something that is so simple and small something that is so basic they took it for granted and this is oftentimes what we do in the church world god has given us these things but yet we take the word of god the presence of god for granted even though it is so vital and necessary to life. And before we ever even get to the battlefield, we're facing death. 
See, there's simple and small things that we can do to make sure that we enjoy the lasting water of God. Because here's the reality, folks. The water of God is flowing. I don't know if you know this or not, but our county is on the way up in the name of Jesus Christ. And I'm not just talking about financially. I'm talking spiritually. Listen, the temperature of what's going on of what God is doing in our area is going through the roof right now in the name of Jesus Christ. God is moving. The question is whether or not we're moving with him. The water is flowing. Or is it just going to be this momentary deal where we feel good for a short time? Maybe we feel good on a Sunday morning, but our life does not change Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. Then nothing really matters. It's all just these little emotional rises we have when they sing our favorite song, or it's at the right decibel level, or, oh, I like what they're doing with the lights there. We, 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 we kind of get caught up in these emotional moments. And then whenever we get through these dry seasons, there's no wonder why so many have fallen away because they've never were grounded in the person of Jesus Christ to start with. Listen, I believe that's why so many folks, uh, they've never got reconnected back to God. I'm not talking about coming back to church. I'm talking about being connected to God through all this stuff. And and now there's folks that have turned their back and walked away because they were never really connected with Jesus to start with. They were just coming to punch their time card to feel good about themselves and hopefully when they get to heaven, everything's gonna work out. Oh boy. There's some simple and small things that we can do today that will ensure that not only do we get to enjoy the presence of God, but all our family, our neighbors, our loved ones, not just today, but for generation to generation to generation until Jesus comes. Can I also say, I'm living in the sure reality. I don't think we have a lot of time left. We better get to digging. Jesus is coming soon. If he doesn't come soon, I don't know what's going to happen. Everything that said was going to happen before he comes has already happened. Everything. Never before in history have we been able to say that. What do we need to do to experience the refreshing water of God? These kings, I'm sure they found Elisha's request a bit ridiculous. You know, why would we do anything like that? How would this work? How, you know, how are we, why would we need to dig a ditch? Listen to me. Can I tell you something? When God begins to tell us to do things, oftentimes it's gonna, he's going to tell us to do things that aren't going to make sense to us. Oftentimes it's not because it, it's a necessity. It's because he wants us to get beyond ourselves and trust him. <laughs> We've got to trust him. So how do we experience this refreshing water of God? Well, listen, we have to be rooted in the simple things. We have to be rooted. We have to be connected. We have to dig down into the simple things. Now, when I say simple, I'm not talking about superficial. See, oftentimes we think, oh, like, this this simple thing isn't a big deal. No, when I say simple things, I'm not talking about superficial things. I'm talking about foundational living as a follower of Jesus Christ. The first building block of being a follower of Jesus Christ is knowing his word. If you do not know the word of God, you do not know Jesus. Jesus is the word of God become flesh and dwelt among us. The only way we can know Jesus right now and have a personal relationship with the Lord, I know we all like to say that. It's a trendy thing where you get a lot of amens when you say Jesus is not religion, it's relationship. That's 100% true, but can I tell you, uh, doctrine is not a dirty word. We need to know what we believe and why we believe it. 
Come on, somebody. We need to know what we believe and why we believe it. When I was five years old, I surrendered my life to the Lord. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was seven years old. God has healed my body of cystic fibrosis. I've laid my hands on my children and felt fevers break underneath them as I spoke the word of God. Uh, Listen to me. I've been full of the fire of God. He has baptized me in the Holy Spirit and with fire when I was seven years old. As I began to speak in another language, as God gave me the ability to do so, and I have been on fire to witness for him ever since. And every day I live as if Jesus is coming very, very soon. Those things all sound wonderful and great, but many of us don't realize those are the four cardinal doctrines of our faith. We've got to understand something today that we need to know what we know and why we know it. And we can't just kind of superficially read over scripture. Listen, here's what the second Timothy chapter three says this. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Ouch. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Francis Chan said it this way, if you read something in God's word and you don't agree with it, it's probably not God's word that's wrong. <laughs> Hello, Goma Sayama. Listen, if you read God's word and you don't agree with it, it's probably not God's word that's wrong. But here's the difference, and here's why I ended up reading from the New King James Version this morning and not the New Living Translation, because I don't worship a translation. I'm not stuck in what I think it needs to say and how it needs to say it. The Bible didn't say to to read God's word to show yourself approved. The Bible said to study God's word to show yourself approved. A workman that can rightly divide the word of truth. There's two ways of studying God's word, and there's one right way and there's a wrong way. Here's the wrong way. It's called eisegesis, where you isolate a scripture and you read into scripture. And you tell the scripture what you want it to say. You know, surefire way, if you want to wonder whether or not this is how you're reading God's word and studying God's word, if you're constantly going to God's word to try and prove yourself right in some argument somewhere, (laughs) you're isogeting scripture because you're trying to go make God's word a weapon to make you right. Oh boy. Boy, we like to argue with people, don't we? There's a lot of keyboard heroes out there. Huh? People get really brave and you don't got to look anybody in the eyeballs and assume there's not a person on the other side of that screen. It got really quiet up in here, Don. Like, it got stupid quiet. We all get really bold and we try and prove everybody that everybody else is wrong and nobody else is right and I'm the only one and you need to follow me because I'm the only one that could read God's word. See, that's reading into scripture. It's what we do. That's eisegesis. But the difference is, it's called exegesis, where you don't read into God's word, but you allow God's word to speak to you. You don't speak to God's word. You allow God's word to speak to you. And the Bible says that we stack it upon stack, and we precept upon precept, that God's word is circular, that if you can't find another scripture in God's word to back up what you think it says, then you don't think it's say, you're not thinking in the right direction. You're speaking into that word. Allow God's word to speak to you, and then you're gonna find other scriptures that build upon that and build upon that and build upon that and build upon that, and it's not gonna be an arguing anymore it's going to be the way you live it's going to be less about how you tell people who they're right wrong or indifferent and it's going to be more about how you live your life this is the power of God's word Listen, the Bible says it this way in Hebrews 4. The word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes the innermost thoughts and desires. 
This is a simple task, but it cuts to the heart of who we are. Summer Soul Series. This is deep down inside of us. The word of God divides even the bone and marrow and can pierce the callous heart of any man, woman, or child. It's the word of God. When we stop weaponizing God's word and start declaring God's word in favor and glory over us, over our families, over our community, and even over this nation. Listen to me, I'm, I know I'm sick and tired of hearing people say, you know, uh, everything the good is behind us. And we, we, are, we don't go back to the glory days. I don't want to go back to the glory days because what do you think got us into this mess to start with? Huh? I'm not going back. I'm moving forward. And if I have anything to do with it, there are greater days ahead of us. Come on, somebody. There are greater days ahead for Fayette County. There are greater days ahead for the United States. Because my Bible says, where I go, the presence of God goes before me. That I am a temple of the Holy Spirit of God. That I can call things even to existence, even though they are not. I can say they are under the authority of Jesus Christ. Because I'm not speaking my word. I'm speaking his word for the glory of God. The latter rain is always greater than the former rain. And as long as we're here, the presence of God is going to be here in Jesus' name. We have to stop speaking our word and our opinion and start propagating the truth of who Jesus is. Let me explain it to you this way. A.W. Tozer said it this way. I love, if you ever get to read any of A.W. Tozer, he's an old-timey author in in the Christian world, a tremendous theologian. A.W. Tozer said this, to pray for revival while ignoring the plain precept laid down in Scripture is to waste a lot of words and get nothing for our trouble. Prayer will become effective when we stop using it as a substitute for obedience. (laughs) If God's word says to do it, what do you got to pray about? All right, we think we're going to go change God. Prayer is not meant to change God. Prayer is meant to change us. I'm not saying we don't pray. I'm saying when we pray, we pray and we speak God's word over our, the favor of our life and over the people around us, over our community, over our workplace, over this nation. It's time for us to stop talking about how bad it is, and it's time for us to start declaring the good news. It's the gospel. It's the hope of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. You don't defeat darkness by talking about how dark it is. Let's turn on the lights in Jesus' name. Say, Tim, what are you talking about? Well, instead of telling everybody how we think and what we think we should do and who to go and where to do this and all that, you say, Tim, how is this practically? How does this work? And listen, when you got the word of God living deep down on the inside of you, regardless of what is current, regardless of what is trendy, regardless of what is popular, regardless of what gets the most likes or whatever on social media, listen, it's not gonna knock you off the foundation of who Jesus is in your life and that what is on the outside of you has nothing come close to who is on the inside of you. The, the temporary storms of this world don't come close to the eternal glory of God that's found on the inside of you. And whenever the doctor says there is no hope, you don't sit back and, boy, I'm going to need to go get a second opinion. You stand up and declare God's word. He sent his word, and he healed my disease. When you're praying for that son or daughter that's been lost, and you've been speaking God's word over them, you declare Proverbs. Train up at a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. If there's been raging seas around your life and uncertainty, anxiety, and stress, you can stand up and declare the word of God that you serve a Jesus who stands in the boat with you, that at any second and he can stand up and declare peace, be stale. If you've been struck in poverty and not knowing how to live and where, where the next dollar is going to come and how you're going to put food on the table, you can stand up and declare Third John that God wants us to prosper and be in good health even as our soul prospers. When we stop declaring our opinion and we start speaking the word of God, the gates of hell don't stand a chance. the word of God and it's prayer. Martin Luther said it this way. 
It's no more possible to be a Christian without prayer than it is to be alive without breathing. (laughs) When we pray, we are breathing in and out the presence and the spirit of God. Now, it's not just the now I lay me down to sleep, pray the Lord, so to keep. You know, and then we go down through, God, touch Aunt Philly, touch, you know, touch Uncle George, do this, do that, send, you know, God, I need more money, blah, blah, blah. And we go down through these lists of needs. There, there is a definite time where we do that and we let God know our need. God says we can come to him and surrender those things to him. But if we're going to tell him all our problems, the least we could do is sit and listen for the answers. And when you get up, God's not done talking, by the way. He's going to talk to you all day long. And the Holy Spirit is going to bring to remembrance the word of God you've already put in there. Can I tell you, the Holy Spirit will not bring to remembrance something you didn't put in. Everybody's telling you how to live. Everybody's telling you where to go, how to do this and that, who to vote for, how to go this and that. You got all this stuff swirling around, all the craziness and the nonsense of this world. You're going to already know what the voice of God sounds like. You have to practice listening to God's voice long before the game ever comes. Michael Jordan said he practices twice as hard than what he plays a game. Best basketball player of all time. Settled. Bronny fans. We have to be, <laughs> I got the good laugh from over here. We, got, we have to be rooted in the simple things. It's not the superficial things. It's what cuts to the heart of who we are. But we also have to be resolved in the small things. Whew. See, this story is all about faith, Right? These three kings, they're going. They thought it was going to be an easy, easy victory, no big deal. And they come down, and before they ever hit the battlefield, they're about ready to die. And then Elisha says, God tells me that you need to go dig a ditch. It is a simple task to dig a ditch, isn't it? You don't have to be qualified in some way. You don't have to have a, you know, a doctorate. You don't have to be ordained. You don't have to be a minister. You don't have to put a certain amount of money in the plate. You didn't have to be come to church for a certain amount of time. You see, you're simply, your want to needs to want to. You know, sooner or later, we need to be willing to put our hands to the plow and not look back. We got to, we dig the ditch. Get down. Listen, you may not have a shovel. If you got a sword, use your sword. If you got a spear, use your spear. But what, you may need to go down and dig with your hands. And the deeper you dig, the deeper the pool of refreshing is going to be when the water comes and goes. It's a small task. You say, what are those small things? Well, obviously, it's reading God's word. I, I dare you tomorrow morning, if you don't already have a regular relationship, a prayer time, and a time with, in God's word in the morning before you start your day, I dare you tomorrow morning. Everybody can do this. Everybody can do this. I dare you. If you don't already have a, a personal time with God every day, I dare you. Wake up 10 minutes earlier. 10 minutes. Everybody can do 10 minutes. If you can't do 10 minutes, then you can't do eternity with God. Ooh. Do 10 minutes tomorrow morning. I dare you to wake up 10 minutes earlier. Read God's word for about five minutes. You can open up any Bible app you want to. There will even be a verse of the day if you don't know where to look. Just start there. That's fine. My favorite book of the Bible is Mark. It's the shortest gospel, right, if you don't like to read. It's the shortest gospel. Mark is like the Jason Bourne of the gospels. It's all action, right? The Chuck Norris, you know what I'm saying? It's all about action. You can start right there. Start digging into God's word. Allow God to begin to speak to you for five minutes. Read God's word. And then for the next five minutes, pray about the, the, the word you just read. Pray through it. Ask God to speak, speak it over your life, over your family, over your community, over your job, over your workplace, over your health, over your finances, whatever is going on. I dare you to start that way. Everybody can do 10 minutes tomorrow morning. 
And then you know what? Do 10 minutes the next day and the day after that. And the more you do that, the bigger your appetite's going to get. Not everybody starts out as a marathon runner. One step at a time. Real faith dreams big, but it's also willing to start small. Zechariah 4.10 says, do not despise the small beginnings, for God rejoices when the work begins. Oh. God rejoiced when you first came to him. And he'll be faithful to complete the work until that day of perfection comes. <laughs> Every day. Don't despise small beginnings. You can pray, you can read God's word. Pastor Jason already mentioned a little bit, return God's tithe. Return God's tithe to the local storehouse. Chat with somebody earlier this week and they were having issues in their church and just some crazy stuff. I know it's shocking, churches aren't perfect, right? Some issues and stuff going on and I heard them, I heard, heard them say, you know, it's our money. <laughs> they better do with it what we tell them to do or else we'll stop giving. Oh, it's returning God's tithe. It wasn't yours to start with. It's called returning God's tithe. You give offering, but you return tithe. The tithe is the base. If you, if, listen, here's what I'm telling you. If, if you're not involved in what God is doing, don't expect for God to be involved in what you're doing. So it's not just giving of our resources, but it's giving of our time. Serve. Find a place to serve. You can find a place to serve today. I love looking out and seeing the Faith Kids shirts. We sit one and serve one. We have three services on a Sunday morning. They're an hour and 10, 15 minutes long. So two and a half hours on a Sunday. Everybody can do that. I'm thankful we have a tremendous team here at Faith. It's awesome. Over 200 people are signed up to volunteer each and every week. It's awesome. But that's barely a third of the people that attend here on a regular basis. Come on. Get involved. Just don't take up space. Make more room. Do you have friends and family members that need to know the Lord? Then make more room. The way you make more room is by serving. Get involved somehow, some way. And I, can I tell you, it's not because we need more volunteers, because it's a tremendous opportunity for you to find out that God has giftings and talents and abilities inside of you. They were placed in you long ago, and it's time for you to fan into flame the, what God has already deposited in your life. Real faith works and believes big, but you have to be willing to start small. The size of our vision does not intimidate God. Many of us don't think big enough, but even more of us aren't willing to start small. How do you dig a ditch? One shovel full at a time. One handful at a time. If we do it by ourselves, it's going to take forever. But when we all come in, oh, listen. There's not a backhoe in Fayette County that can dig as much as what Fayette County can, what faith, what, faith, what faith Assembly can. When we all put our hands together, when we join our faith together, when we begin to dig together, listen, there is a valley of dry bones out there. I know this has been a theme over the last couple weeks. There's been a valley of dry bones out there, but this is the place. When we dig, listen, the water of God is coming. God's word is true. The latter rain is greater than the former rain. The Bible said here is, is, is the three, uh, these three kings, the king of Israel, the king of Judah, and the king of Edom. They're sitting there, and, and they dig those ditches as God instructed them to do through the prophet Elisha. And the Bible says it 
happens in the morning. All of a sudden, the water begins to flow, begins to flow out of Edom, out, down out of those mountainsides, and down in the valley of Arabah, where there was once it was dry and dirty, and there was nothing there. It was desolate, full of death. But then all of a sudden, the water begins to flow out of the mountain, and the water comes and goes, but the valley was full of pools of refreshing springs because they had taken the time to dig through the night. You might be going through a tough season. You might be going through the night. You might be going through a dry season, but I want to encourage you to dig a little deeper. Get into God's word. Speak his word in favor over you, over your family, over your community. Serve. Get involved. Allow God to do what only he is able to do. And as you begin to sing, as you begin to dig, God's going to send the water. And when it's all said and done, not only do you get to experience the refreshing water of God, but your family, your cattle, your livestock, your horses, your family, your grandkids, everybody will be able to experience the refreshing water of God. Why? Because you took time to dig in the middle of the night. The Bible says the water came and went and as the sun rose, the Moabites look over and the water had flowed, flowed down out of Edom. Edom is known as the red place. That's where the, the descendants of Esau lived. Esau was known as, as, a, as a red-tinted man. He had red hair, hairy, thick, and everything. He was red. And, and even the, the mountainsides and everything where they lived, was the dirt was red. And as the water flowed down, the sun sh- began to shine, and the Boabites looked over, and as they began to look over, they thought it was a bunch of blood. And as they, they, they go, oh, look, the three kings must have turned on each other in the middle of the night. They were all hangry because they had nothing to eat. They had nothing to drink. They were tired. They, were really, they, they just began to fight, and they started killing themselves. Let's go finish the job. And the Boabites rush over out of formation, just ready to go and, and kind of put the end of it all said and done with. But what ends up happening when they go over, they don't find a valley that is full of dry, desolate men. And listen, they find a valley that is full of nourished and refreshed soldiers in the army of God. And they stand up. And not only does God give them refreshing, but God now gives them the victory in the name of Jesus Christ. Here's the deal. The battle is not yours, but the preparation is. If you don't dig the ditch in the middle of the night, you'll get a quick refreshing. But when it's all said and done, nothing's changed. Dig a little deeper. Dig a little deeper. Dig a little deeper. Stick a little longer. Dig a little deeper. Give a little more. Read a little more. Study a little more. Pray a little more. Dig a little deeper. More and more and more. I don't know about you, but I have enough friends and family members that need to know the Lord. I'm willing to dig a little deeper today. I'm willing to reach down in and take another handful of dirt and throw it out in Jesus' name. Are you with me? One of the ways we're going to do this right here and right now in a very practical, real way. Come on, can you stand to your feet with me this morning? Listen, the battle's not ours, but the preparation is. Preparation is simply this, emptying ourselves of us and say, God, less of us and more of you. John 3.30 says, may I become less and less, and may he become greater and greater. May I decrease that the Lord would increase in my life. God only fills what is empty. Dig a ditch. Dig down into your soul. Dig down into your heart. Take the things that are in there, that resentment, that bitterness, that unforgiveness, the things that have been taken up room, that, that, that God's presence ought to be there. But you've got it full of junk and pain and heartache and what somebody said about you 20 years ago. Take it and throw it out. How do we do that? 
This is your spiritual act of worship. Be not conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you're going to know what the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God really is for your life. This is how we're going to do this right now, the simple act of worship. We're going to sing this song. I know you know this song. You sang it really well just a few minutes ago. All right? If you don't know the words, that's fine. Sing to God anyway. The Bible says make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Worship is emptying ourselves of us and saying, God, more of you and less of us. This is another brick in the foundation. So I drive, I, it's about 1,400 miles a week or so I average throughout the year. A lot of times my family's with me. And Ariana, my little seven-year-old girl, she's got a decent voice, but she's not on pitch all the time. She claps on one and three. It drives me crazy. Two and four, people. Come on, two and four. When he hits the snare, that's when you clap, all right? But her favorite song, I will make room for you. Do what you want to. Do whatever you want. And she'll start singing. As that song comes on the radio, she starts, I mean, wailing. You know what I do? I don't turn the radio up. I turn the radio down. Because I'd rather hear my daughter sing than any Grammy or Dove award-winning artist ever that's ever been in, in the span of history. You want to know why? Because she's mine. She's mine. You may not be able to sing on pitch. You may not listen, but if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, put a smile on your father's face today. Sing unto the Lord. Give him everything you got today. Go from the depths of who you are.